This is an episode of The Ramp, a podcast produced by Customer Strategy and Design of Deloitte Digital. Welcome to a new episode, with this time the topic of customer experience design. My name is Bart, and together with co-host Mo and our two guests Niels and Luke, I had a great discussion last week. We talked about what CX is, where to find its potential, and then dove into the methods that are slowly changing, or even moving away from designing experiences as we're used to it now. I can't wait to let you hear what we've discussed, so I'll let Luke and Niels introduce themselves and get back to you in a bit. Enjoy! Yeah, of course, Bart. Thank you for having us. I'm uh, Luke Decker, a junior service designer within the customer strategy and design team. I joined Deloitte in January 2022. That's a great year to start, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Niels? My name is Niels Korsten, and I work as a service design lead within the customer strategy and design practice. Um, I've been at Deloitte for just over a year now as well. So 2021, just in October, um, but I've had a, I've done a lot of other things before that. Nice. Service design lead, what, what does that mean? Um, that means that uh, I lead parts of the service design practice within uh, our team, uh, and I also take a leading role in a project context. Nice. So we're going to talk about CX today. Um, what, what does that mean, CX? I've heard about UX, but CX... CX is, uh, is um, the abbreviation of customer experience, which to some extent has uh, an overlap with user experience, as you can imagine. But customer experience takes more of a holistic lens where you look at, let's say, the, the end-to-end experience that customers have, where within user experience, you tend to have a more focused uh, view on, well, let's say, one touch point or, or one product, let's, let's say. Maybe to also... Take a quote from Mark Fontaine, which is a, a server designer in the Netherlands as well. He, he says, and that's more on server design, but I think it also applies to customer experience. If you would have two coffee shops, one, one next to another, um, and they are basically the same shop and they sell the same coffee in the same cup, then customer experience is what makes you go to one shop uh, rather than, than the other. Others might say the price, but... That is obviously also uh, a big factor, yes. But I think if you look at, for example, Starbucks, which, which I think is a, a very fairly known uh, company that, that invests in, uh, in great customer experience, they, they tend to sell coffee for a, a lot higher price than, than you would go to a, like a typical coffee shop, right? And, and this is typically where people also pay for parts of the experience rather than just uh, a cup of coffee. So how did they end up at such a great user or customer experience then was that uh, a thing that they had just at once or was it the process to getting there was it really built upon research how is that often yeah Yeah, for for starbucks i don't i don't know but i can i can of course make educated guess i think i think it's a process so of course you start with, with with research understanding who your customer is why it's doing what it's doing what what his or her needs are, what his or her pains and gains are. And from there, you're starting looking, okay, how are we going to sort of fulfill their goals? Which activities do they want? And also, how is our front end? But also, what are we doing at the back end to support their journey? Now I'm using words, I Bart. Indeed, yeah. Could you uh, explain front and back end? Yeah, so with the front end, we mean you walk into the 
into the coffee shop, you get recognized. There are employees who you recognize as employee. They wear the same clothes. You recognize the music. But to make that all work, the, there needs to be a, a music system. Uh, there needs to be coffee, a coffee machine. There needs to be clothing. And also to make that work, there needs to be, let's say, third parties that sort of arrange the coffee, arrange the clothing. It's just everything. And I think from a process perspective, you need to design your front end and make sure your customer recognizes you and has that experience, but also the rest needs to work. I, th I think what's m maybe to add, the service design practice tends to take metaphors from, uh, from like a, a theater setting a lot. Uh, where we, we, we talk about that we orchestrate certain experiences, right? And this is another metaphor that's taken from that kind of theater setting where we tend to talk about, as, as Luke said, like front-end and back-end or sometimes it's front-stage and backstage activities. And this is typically, if you go to a theater, you would look at the play uh, on stage, right? There's, there's actors there that are playing out a, a certain uh, piece, Um, and if you would dare take the analogy to an experience, then that's what, for example, your Starbucks employees behind the counter, they play that piece to basically deliver a certain experience to you as a customer. But you can imagine just like in theaters, there's a lot of stuff happening backstage, right? Um, Wouldn't you say that like kind of all the coffee shops and all the competitors of different Uh, companies already have these kind of things in place. I've never seen a coffee shop where the people did not have clothing. Well, not to say that they are naked, but like I think by now every company thinks of these kind of things. So why would it be like special? What, what's what's different here? Yeah, I think um, a great question, Mo. I I think it's I have an other example for Ace and Tate, which is a uh, they sell glasses, and they were the first company that you were able to take let's say three, four glasses home to try them at home, show them to your family and then go back to the store and say, I want that glass. I think to arrange that, you need to sort of have certain things in place. You need to be able to lend them out. You need to have the right insurance. Also be able to get them back. I think that's showing, sort of changing your back end to help the front end or the front stage deliver a better customer experience. Maybe to also add on that, I think if you if you if you talk about clothing, for example, obviously anyone in a coffee shop has has clothing on, right? Um, but some some aspects or some touch points, as we call them, are not like intentionally thought about by by a company. So you start wearing clothes, but if you don't think about wearing clothes, people just start wearing their own clothes, for example. And even clothing would be a great. Uh, like experience opportunity, right? You, you you can design that in in a way that people take that into account and uh, in in the end to end experience, let's say. And if you think about every little aspect in an experience and the fact that it can actually be designed, then this is actually for a lot of companies still a very huge opportunity. And I think uh, typically also for Luke and me, we we typically do this type of work for for large companies. And actually, even then, it's like notoriously difficult to to orchestrate a, a great experience that that feels seamless and that feels orchestrated. The clothing fits together with uh, with the music and fits together with the counter design, fits together with maybe even the receipt that you get. And in, in really big companies, 
the, the responsibility for that seamless journey is often fragmented. People, some people are responsible for just tiny parts of that experience. And because that, that experience is often fragmented, you also see the result of that in, in the experience that customers have. It's also very fragmented. So this is actually something that from a customer point of view sounds super straightforward and sounds even easy. But for a lot of companies, this is really hard work and this is really difficult to achieve. Okay, I think we established a great baseline there. CX is looking at the entire journey of customers in a broader sense than what UX does. In these experiences from companies, there's a front stage and a backstage, which can be orchestrated by, for example, a service designer that works on the customer experiences. And this is still needed because a lot of different touch points a client can have in its journey can be fragmented. Let's dive a bit deeper in this fragmentation. Where are the opportunities to improve customer experiences? Well, I think Niels's example of him buying shoes explains this nicely. Um, actually, a matter of fact, I actually um, ordered seven shoes just last week at Zalando, just because I didn't know which size to have and, and which colors I would like. Very sustainable. <laughs> Not very sustainable, obviously, but um, there are certain like customer needs behind my, my behavior, I would say that are not fulfilled in a right way, kind of like hack the, the, the service that Salando provides me, right? Because Salando would also not like me to order seven shoes and then send probably six of them back or maybe even seven. And there are different opportunities there that you would uh, have. And then looking at the, the return process, for example, um, you know, you need to stick some stickers on the boxes, etc. And then probably if you have questions, you need to then call to customer service, then you need to do all kinds of things to uh, explain your identity. They need to find which shoes you have ordered. So there's a lot of things there that are very fragmented because the return process, for example, that's a very different department compared to the, the people answering the phone or, or answering the chat. And generally, I think in, in most cases, if you, are, if you start chatting with a, a customer service agent, you need to explain yourself, you need to identify yourself, you need to... Well, basically, you need, to, you, you need to tell them in what kind of situation or context you are before they can actually start helping you. And that in itself, I think, is a great example of a not-so-seamless journey. What was a sort of a compelling story or a sort of eye-opening story to me that was within the public sector, we try to look at the journey as a whole and be holistic. But, for example, um, there was a public sector office and um, you needed to go in and you need to register yourself. And the first thing you saw when you walked into the building was a security guard. So that doesn't feel safe if the first thing is you see is a big security guard who's saying, who are you? What are you going to do here? And I think, therefore, there we see sort of the fragmentation between, okay, we need to have a safe office. Okay, so the office is going to hire a security guard. But somewhere else they say, okay, we need to have a seamless customer experience. So you can sort of register your appointment online, you have a friendly p person behind the desk, and that all doesn't matter if sort of your first moment is a, is, a, is a bad moment. And you can try everything you want to improve, and of course you can improve the experience, but there are always some sort of certain moments that, that matter. So, so to give a bit of context to this specific project, it was a, a public sector project where customers needed to go to an office to sell, tell something about 
their private story or I, I miss a bit of the background. Maybe that helps also to understand what the pain point of the user was. Yeah, I think I think the lesson here is context matters, right? Because maybe to you and me, uh, Mo, having a guard there expresses a safe feeling, which is totally fine. But in this context, these are typical people that go to an office to go into either a kind of like a conversation where they need to explain why they are unemployed or why they are sick and, and also kind of express that they are sick enough for them to, uh, to apply for like a benefit payments. You can imagine that this is, this is actually kind of uh, an important moment for these people and they, are, they feel very, very anxious, as you mentioned. And then if you go into such a, a, an office in the context of being unemployed and you need to start explaining, okay, I, I did job applications and I did job interviews and what have you, just for you to, to get that kind of like social security, then having that uh, guard in, in front of the door it creates a, a totally different uh, feeling and, and expression rather than just you and me, you know, entering a shop where, again, the guard would be next to the door, which is in that context totally fine to sort of find those inside there are certain methods you can use you can do a day in the life of or you can do ethnographic research or you can do observation so you can follow someone for a day and see what they what they do now that feels safe having you follow a customer I, Mo, I can be very nice <laughs> though I'm a bit tall but I can be very nice and smiley so yeah <laughs> no, I, I get it. There are like a lot of uh, research methodologies uh, on how to get to these kind of insights. So now we have a better picture of what unfulfilled needs of a customer could look like. And it's not only a result of different departments having different goals or ideas of the customer's journey, it can also be the different context that a customer can be in. Luke just touched upon some methods to gather insights to improve a company's CX. But as we just discussed, designing such experiences can become quite complex. Luckily, during our discussion, Mo asked a great question that eventually led us to think about the future of CX design. Uh, me as a designer, I have, well, I've heard about you talk about customer journey apps, but I've also heard you talk about service uh, designers who typically make service blueprints. Um, I tend to also lose it a bit uh, when it comes to mapping experiences in general like what do you use do you use service blueprints customer journey maps user journeys can you tell, tell me a bit more uh, about that yeah sure um i think first to make a comment around that is i i don't really mind how you call it whether you call it a customer journey or a user journey or a client journey or a patient journey i think the most important thing is that you start mapping the experience from a customer or client or patient perspective and bringing that external perspective into the company to then use that information to determine you know, what to improve and to prioritize your initiatives, basically. I think that's the most important thing. And then to make it really easy, I think the customer journey map, as we, as we know it, tends to map out the experience that customers have. And we tend to match that with the service blueprint. So the customer journey map, you could say, is more of, let's say, the front stage and the customer perspective of things, where the service blueprint is the counterpart of that, but then for anything that needs to happen in order to create that experience for the customer. So any 
any activities that employees need to do, any processes that need to be in place, any systems that need to work, um, any you know partner kind of like ecosystems uh, that you're making use of, all of those things you tend to document in the blueprint to then also understand, okay, if something goes wrong in that experience from a customer point of view, where could you find the kind of like root cause of that problem within your internal organization? I think a lot of companies can benefit linking that journey map perspective from the customer towards the blueprint perspective of the organization to make that link between problems from a customer perspective and where the root cause is from an organizational perspective. Amazing, thank you. Are there any more trends coming up? Are there any more, um, well, trending things that you see companies uh, do or designers do? Yeah, I think that that there's a few things from a design practice point of view that are going to be really interesting and I think are actually going to fundamentally change uh, the job that service designers have over, let's say, the coming decade. I think, as I already mentioned, the transition that we are in right now is moving from like one-off journey mapping projects to a more systemic continuous way of working. It's what, it's what we call journey management. Um, and with that journey management then also comes, you know, setting up teams that are dedicated to improve uh, certain end-to-end journeys. It includes changes in terms of, uh, you know, processes and, and like technology. So there's typical journey management tooling that needs to be implemented in order to do this well. Uh, you could also imagine changes around your, your KPIs or how, how you measure performance across uh, customer journeys. So this is a very fundamental shift, let's say, uh, for organizations. It's not just, uh, okay, we now go from journey mapping to journey management. It's an easy transition. It's really a fundamental shift where a lot of things in the organization need to change. And then I think if you look a bit further into the future, in, in some sectors you already see the rise of what is called journey analytics to, again, throw in a, a great buzzword maybe. But this is typically, um, you know, gathering and, and using any data from a customer point of view to then, as I think Luke already gave a great example on, on you know, gathering all of the signals that customers give from complaints, questions, social media messages, those types of things, and use all of that data to inform your team on what's happening within that uh, end-to-end journey. And then using that also to, to analyze on you know, what's happening and what behavior are, are customers showing uh, and use that data to then make your decisions in terms of prioritization. And going even, I think, further into the future, you would get another great buzzword, which is called journey orchestration. And journey orchestration is typically what... Uh, what we mean by if we take, uh, let's say, customer data and, and behavioral insights on individual customers and take those insights and data to then try and predict what would be the next touch point to deliver to that customer. So just to make it a bit concrete, let's say in, in the context of Solando that we mentioned earlier, they can see that I go back and forth looking at different shoes, uh, maybe looking at different sizings of typical shoes they could then maybe send me a pop-up saying, hey, we've seen that you have trouble finding your, uh, your perfect shoe and your perfect shoe size. Maybe we could help this and that, or maybe they have kind of like a shoe sizing service that they could offer there. 
Um, and they, they could actually, you know, determine based on my behavior as a customer, what would be the next best thing to, to, to offer me. And this is something, you know, that demands, you know, great quality of your data landscape, etc. So a lot of companies are, are not there yet. But I think this is really something that, you know, the, the practice of server design and customer is, is moving towards. All right, great that Niels now closes the loop on his Zalando story. Customer analytics and customer orchestration do sound like the way to go indeed. But of course, with more power comes more responsibility or, or something like that. Well, Luke made a nice comment about this. Yeah, and I also think here we are sort of sort of touching the one of the major challenges is sort of privacy versus personalization. I think that's getting more and more in play with, with journey orchestration. Do you want to elaborate on that, uh, Luke? Yeah, I, th- I think so many things would be beautiful is if they were tailored to me, if they were sort of personalized for my personal experience. But also there, I think companies need to sort of strike the right balance. How much can you sort of personalize and how much needs to be standardized? And I think finding this balance is also becoming a, a bigger and bigger challenge and also a more and more sort of prompt challenge or more important challenge. Yeah, for example, within within public sector, you need to sort of serve everyone, 100% of all the Dutch citizens, which is hard because everyone has their own wishes and pains and gains and, of course, limitations. So striking that right balance, I think also there we see that uh, finding the right customer experience, finding the right touch points and also finding the moments that matter are becoming more and more important. Um, but I, I do wonder, how, how do we do this at Deloitte? I mean, the entire CX uh, story that we just touched upon. I think, I think there's, there's different things that I think we as a, as a like customer experience practice within Deloitte are uniquely positioned to do so. Looking at journey orchestration, for example, this lives on the intersect between uh, customer experience and, and like uh, data and artificial intelligence. Um, we luckily have a artificial intelligence and data department within uh, Deloitte that we are now in, in a lot of occasions are also working together with. You know, we are, we are creating collaborations within that intersection, basically leveraging the, ex- the experience that we have from a service design perspective with all of the knowledge and expertise from our uh, AI and D and, and data uh, colleagues. Um, and then I think also looking at a more platform perspective, you know, we have, we have great links here with uh, companies like Salesforce and SAP and Medaya, Qualtrics that are needed um, to actually achieve that like journey orchestration kind of setting that we, uh, that we just mentioned. You need your data platforms and your, your CX platforms in place in order to, you know, deliver that personal, personalized uh, experience. Nice. So, so what does this mean for us as uh, designers or you as a server designer? Yeah, so I think a, a couple of things. So Niels already mentioned collaboration. I think said a couple of years ago, it w- you, you did a service design project. And now service design is more and more focusing on enabling cross-company to focus and work and improve the customer journey as a whole company. So it's not here we designed a new customer journey. These are the things you need to change, but it is 
together with the whole company, enabling them by developing capabilities, new frameworks, and new structures. Yeah. Maybe last thing to mention, um, we, we are not predicting that uh, the, the creative act of designers will be redundant in, uh, in just a few years. Uh, so you can all uh, take, a, take a deep breath now. I think the value of creativity is going to be even more important because you know data is something that's very objective. If you really want to stand out and create a customer experience that is truly unique, uh, creativity is going to take an even more central role in that whole endeavor. Well, I'm certainly glad to hear that. But interesting to see where the field of CX is going. I hope this episode gives you an idea of what customer experience is and what it might become. Before we end, I would like to thank everyone that contributed to this podcast. Our guests Niels, Luke and co-host Mo. I hope you enjoy this episode and see you in the next one after some closing words from Niels. And I think from, from my side, I think the key word that we, that we really haven't really uh, dived into here is, is collaboration. You know, I think we already mentioned you need all the different departments. Uh, you need them to register all of the data points. And in order to also then deliver a great customer experience uh, within that journey end to end, you really need that collaboration. So I think, you know, the key word here is, is collaboration uh, with, you know, our colleagues here at Deloitte, but also for our clients, you know, start collaborating with uh, other departments, um, start, you know, handshaking and getting to know one another. Uh, don't see them as, you know, another department that does their own thing. Now, if you want to look at the end-to-end journey, you need to really start collaborating. <laughs>